You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, happy anniversary, everybody. And today is really a celebration of the faithfulness of God, uh, the faithfulness of Jesus to build his church. And that's our theme for today. In fact, uh, we're going to get right into the word today. I want to take you to a scripture where Jesus talks about this very thing, building his church. So we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 16 in just a moment. Let me just give you a little context to this scripture, okay? Matthew chapter 16, at this point in Jesus' ministry, um, he's traveling, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's working miracles, and he's becoming famous. Like crowds of people are coming out to hear Jesus, and, and people want to know more about him, and everybody kind of has an opinion about who he is. And in this moment that we're going to look at, Jesus turns and he asks his disciples, who do you say I am? Come on, how many of you know that uh, the people closest to you, what they think about you matters than what matters more than what other people think about you? Same thing for Jesus. He has this moment with his disciples where he says, okay, there are a lot of opinions about me out there right now, but I want to know, what do you think about me? Who do you say I am? And so let's look at this. This is the story of the Apostle Peter's great confession. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Like maybe he's one of these great, you know, leaders come back from the dead to come back and preach to us. Look at verse 15. But what about you, he asks, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Some translations say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Then look at verse 18. This is our key verse for today. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell itself, will not overcome it. So here's Jesus. He has this moment where he asks his disciples, who do you say I am? There are all kinds of opinions about who I might be. And Peter answers kind of on behalf of the disciples, and he gets the answer right. Like, you know, open book test, right? Like, it's Jesus. You are the Messiah. Like, you're the one we've waited for. Look at verse 18 again. Here's what Jesus says. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, the name Peter means rock in Greek. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. Now, historically, there's been a debate among theologians about what Jesus meant when he called Peter the rock. Like, what was he referring to? Was he referring to Peter himself, or was he referring to Peter's confession of faith? Uh, the Catholic Church claims that Jesus was referring to directly to Peter as the first bishop of Rome. We have another name for that. It's called the Pope. Protestants disagree and claim that Jesus is referring to Peter's confession of faith, that the church is built upon faith, not a person. But I think this whole debate is an exercise in missing the point because the truth is that God builds his church with people and by faith. Come on, if you want to know which one is it, does God build his, people, does God build his church with people or, or by faith? The answer is both. He builds it with people, with us, with human beings, but he also builds it by faith. Not to mention that the whole point is it's God who builds his church. 
That's what we're celebrating today. It's God who builds his church after all, and he chooses to do it with people like you and me and by faith. So today, on this seven-year anniversary celebration, as we're remembering the goodness of God in our church these past seven years, I want to just give you a few observations around this idea of how God builds his church. Okay, here's the first one. Number one, God builds his church with people. Come on, everybody say, with people. God builds his church with people. People See, this whole debate misses something really redemptive, and that is the fact that Jesus nicknames Peter. Like, he officially renames Peter in this moment. He calls him the Rock. Come on, long before there was Dwayne the Rock Johnson, there was Simon Peter the Rock, the apostle, the original Rock, okay? This is the original Rock. Jesus renames him. But before he was Peter, he was simply Simon and if you paid attention when, you read, when you've read the gospel, Simon Peter was pretty much a screw-up. I mean, he was always getting into trouble. This is, this is Peter. This is Simon Peter who was boisterous, who was brash, who was always kind of saying whatever popped into his head before he thought about it. This is Peter who, when they arrested Jesus, cuts off the ear of the high servant's priest. And Jesus kind of has this moment like, I didn't tell you to do that. Like, follow my lead, Peter. This is Peter who sweared on his grave that he would never deny Jesus, right? And on the night that Jesus gets betrayed and arrested in his greatest time of need, like Peter denies Jesus. In fact, in this very chapter, later on in Matthew 16, you can go up and read it for yourself, Peter actually rebukes Jesus for telling his disciples he was going to the cross. Peter was a screw-up by all measures, by all indications. But Jesus saw something inside of Peter. Jesus saw his passion, his leadership, his, his potential, and he gave him a new name and a new identity. Come on, aren't you glad today that Jesus looked past your faults, your sins, your mistakes, and he saw potential on the inside of you? Aren't you thankful that he didn't let your exterior keep him from seeing something on the inside of you? And I don't know what labels people have put on you. You know, the world and life has a way of putting labels on us. But I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, he wants to give you a new name and a new identity. People may have called you broken, divorced, addicted, lonely, bitter, uh, depressed, anxious. Come on. But in Christ Jesus, he looks at you and he wants to give you a new name. He calls you saved, healed, delivered, set free, child of God, son, daughter. Like this is what he does. He builds his church on people. The church of Jesus Christ is built with redeemed lives. If you check the tag on the back of this church, like you would check the tag on the back of your shirt, it says made with 100% redeemed lives. That is what the church is built out of. And so if you're here today, and maybe, uh, maybe you're new to our church. Maybe this is your first time here. And you say, well, Pastor Jeremy, you don't know my story. Like, you don't know how bad I've messed up. Like, you don't know what the condition of my life is right now. Like, I'm a work in progress. Let me just tell you, if that's you, you arrived at the right place. We named this church Redemption for a reason. No perfect people need apply, okay? This church is built on redeemed lives. Now, it's interesting that when Peter, the rock himself, writes his first letter, uh, in the New Testament, the book of First Peter, he picks, on this, picks up on this same language. He, he kind of uses this same language that Jesus used about him as he writes to other believers. Look at this verse, First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Peter's writing to, his, to other believers. He says this, You also as living stones 
are being built up as a spiritual house. I love this word picture that, that Peter gives us. In a sense, as a follower of Jesus Christ, like you're, you're part of something. Paul says you're being built into something. Your life is like a, a living stone in a spiritual house, a temple that, that's being built. You're not just a Christian. You're not just a religious person, but like you're a part of something special. You're a part of the family of God. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a part of a spiritual house that God is building. And so I want you to, to, to get this picture today. Come on, think about stones, right? Think about the bricks like we have in this beautiful building. And, and I want you to think about how God is taking our lives one by one, and he's healing us, and he's redeeming us, and he's setting us free, and he's joining us and fitting us together, and he's building us into something more beautiful together than we could ever be on our own. That's the picture that Peter gives of, of the church of Jesus Christ, of what it is to be a part of the church of, of Jesus Christ. Now, when, talking about this whole idea of, of a building, I, I love church buildings, and I love architecture. I've been blessed to visit some of the amazing churches of the world. I've been to Notre Dame in Paris. I've been to St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Um, I've been to St. Patrick's Cathedral and the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. And those are magnificent buildings. But I'm reminded that ultimately the Church of Jesus Christ is built out of people. And we know a little something about that around here at Redemption. We know that God can show up in a movie theater. God can show up in a community center gym. Come on, God can show up in a warehouse loft space like this. Here's the point. It's about redeemed lives. God is building his church with people. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about the, the history of this building, okay? I know it's not about buildings, but how many of you love our building? I love the brick and the wood and the character that's in this space. Let me just tell you some of the history of this, this building. This building was built by an English immigrant, an entrepreneur named Ernest Simmons. And uh, we have a picture for you here. You guys can put that, that picture up. There's a picture of this out in the lobby. This building was home to the Ernest Simmons Manufacturing Company. Uh, at one point in time... This company was one of the largest outfitters of men's clothing uh, in the country, men's shirts and sheets. They were a supplier for Fruit of the Loom. They even assembled at one point in time World War I uniforms in this building. I mean, talk about some history, right? Like if these walls could talk. But get this. Think about this. This building was built turn of the century, over 100 years ago. Now, when Mr. Simmons built this building, okay, do you think he could have had any idea that there would ever be a church in this factory one day? Here's what's even really more interesting when you think about it. Across the street is St. Peter's Episcopal Church, which was also built turn of the century. So that church was pretty new about the time they were building this factory. They would have no idea that there would be a, a, a church here. And what's fascinating is today, St. Peter's Episcopal Church is, is shut down due to structural problems, but there's a thriving, living, breathing church of Jesus Christ in this building right here. Come on, the church is built out of people. That's my whole point. Buildings come and go. Circumstances change, but God builds his church on people with redeemed lives. So think about that this morning as you're sitting in, in this building. Buildings are nice, but buildings come and go. Church of Jesus Christ is, is built with people. And I just want to say, D, I'm so thankful for each of you. I'm so thankful for your living stone. Come on, back in 2014, when we moved here, there was just a couple Ziegler stones in Westchester trying to get a church off the ground. And I'm so thankful over the years and throughout the different chapters and seasons of this church that you came and, and you brought your stone. And together, God is taking in our lives and he's joining us together and he's building something beautiful with our lives. Come on, we're better together. And the church is built of redeemed lives.
So God builds his church with people. But number two, God builds his church by faith. Come on, everybody say, by faith. He builds his church with people and by faith. Verse 15, Jesus asks his disciples a personal question. He says, who do you say I am? There are a lot of opinions about me out there. A lot of people think this and that, but who do you say I am? And Peter responds on behalf of the other disciples in verse 16. He says this, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. This is what's known as Peter's great confession. Peter recognizes that Jesus isn't just a great teacher. Jesus isn't just another rabbi. Jesus isn't just a great miracle worker. He's not just some great prophet. But no, you, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Like, you're the one that the prophets prophesied about for centuries. You're the one that we've waited for who would come and who would save your people. You are the son of the living God. It's a great confession. Now, Peter's confession is even more interesting when you recognize the location of where it took place. They were in the, the region, the vicinity of a town called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi. Now, this was a mostly Gentile city that was built by the local ruler there, Herod, to honor Caesar. I actually visited the ruins of Caesarea Philippi back in 2018. I was on a uh, study tour in the Holy Land, and we went and visited uh, Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was famous and very well known for being a place of idol worship. It has a series of caves and, and uh, shrines that are carved into the stone there that are dedicated to the worship of the Greek god Pan. How many of you remember uh, the Greek god Pan? He's that like half goat, half man guy who plays the flute. Remember that guy? Goat boy. Yeah, basically goat boy is Pan, okay? He's that god. And people worshiped him with all kinds of different cultic practices, and a lot of it involves sexual immorality and all kinds of really bad stuff. So I want you to get this picture today, church. Peter doesn't make his confession about Christ in a nice little safe quiet, holy space like the temple in Jerusalem like we might expect him to. No, no, he makes his confession about Jesus in the midst of a very spiritually dark place, a place of paganism and a place of idol worship. Church, I know that the times that we're living in seem dark. Come on, these last couple years, we've been through a global pandemic. We've been through an ensuing mental health crisis in this country. We've been through political division, racial division, people storming the Capitol. We've got a war raging in Ukraine right now. But I want to encourage you today, when the world gets darker, the light of Jesus Christ only shines brighter. Come on, now is the time for us to hold on to our confession of faith like never before. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let me just tell you, when Amy and I moved here to Westchester back in 2014, we, we came by faith. We, we came by faith. We looked at Westchester, and where, where others saw adversity, we saw opportunity. People said, don't you know the New York City area? That's, that's really expensive. You know, that's an expensive place. And, and, of course, we have friends all over the country. And down on the Bible Belt, they're like, oh, New York, that's really tough. That's a really unchurched place. That's not an easy place to start a church. But where others saw adversity through the lens of faith, we saw opportunity. Come on. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. But let me just be real with you today. We experienced some real adversity. <laughs> we can cheer and clap today, but I'm going to tell you, we went through some real adversity. And, and some, of you, some of you don't know our story, but 
Um, I try to share it at least once a year because we have so many new people in our church. But Amy and I, we, uh, we left everything that we knew in western New York, my wife's hometown. We had been there for six years as associate pastors, and we began to have a tug on our hearts to plant a life-giving church, kind of a missionary call to, to plant a church to reach people. And after a year of prayer and several trips to the New York City area, we just kind of had this magnetic tug in our hearts toward Westchester. And so we, we packed up and left our family and friends. We took the greatest leap of faith we've ever taken financially. Um, when we lived up in Buffalo, we lived in a parsonage, which means the church provided an apartment for us. So we paid zero in rent. Come on, we went from zero in rent to paying Westchester rent. Can I get an amen, somebody? You know, God gives us all the gift of faith. It doesn't come from us. We're like, how much does it cost to rent a two-bedroom apartment in this place? How many part-time jobs do I have to <laughs> take to even just afford to live here? I mean, it was, it was scary. It was overwhelming. And uh, we didn't have a bunch of friends and family here. Besides a few, you know, uh, besides a few pastor friends, we didn't really know anybody here. And then we got here, and Amy's mom and dad helped us move down, and they had blessed us, even though their grandkids were moving away. And they came down, and it was uh, the weekend that the Super Bowl was here in, in Jersey, if you guys remember that, back in 2014. And... Uh, on Monday, we kissed mom and dad goodbye, put them on the train, sent them back to Buffalo. And on Wednesday, we got the worst phone call of our lives that Amy's dad had passed away of a massive heart attack at 58 years old after shoveling snow in the driveway. And we were devastated. And you know how you would feel, right? Like, I just made this move. Like, I just picked up my, my family, and, and God, I trusted you, and, 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 and I put everything on the line to come here. And, and we were devastated. Our first week, I, I try not to win the award for the worst first week to a church plant, but that's how it started out. We got in the car and drove back to Buffalo, and I preached my father-in-law's funeral. And, and when we got back, you know, if my oldest Aaron, he was in second grade at the time, if we didn't have to get, get up and, and take him to school at that time, I don't think I would have got out of bed during that time. And I wish I could tell you it got easier from there. I wish I could tell you that, you know, after all that, we got back and, and people began flocking to us like, we're here to start a church in Westchester. Come to me, all of my babies. And everybody just started coming. It didn't happen that way. No, nobody was showing up. <laughs> It was lonely, man. It, and if it sounds crazy, it was crazy. We would meet people, and we'd be like, oh, yeah, we moved here to start a church. They'd be like, oh, that's cool. Where's your church? We don't know. We're looking for a building. We're trying to find a place. Oh, really? Okay. Well, who goes to your church? I don't know. We were hoping you would come to our church. <laughs> In fact, we're having this meeting at our house tonight where we're going to be sharing information. They're like, nope, that's a cult. I'm not going. <laughs> I am not drinking whatever they're putting in the Kool-Aid over there. It was hard, man. And I'm telling you, fast forward a few months, we, we moved in February. By August, we were sitting on the beach. We were at Rye Beach with two people on our team to help us start this church. And I was thinking to myself, what in the world am I doing in Westchester County, New York? Like, God, I must have missed you. I'm a fool. I missed you. I, put, I ruined my whole ministry. I ruined, I ruined my whole reputation. We've raised money to do this, and we've got two people, and this whole thing is a big, fat failure. Come on, let me just say you, sometimes all you can do is hold on to faith. Sometimes all you've got is faith. We had to hold on to faith like never before. And here's what I want you to know. Often, God opportunities come packaged as adversities. Come on, somebody needs to hear that today. Often, God opportunities come packaged as adversity. And some of you in here today, you've been missing out on some opportunities that God has for you because all you see is the adversity. Let me just tell you, God may have closed the door, but sometimes he closes the door because he has an even better door that he wants to open for you. 
Sometimes God does allow you to go through some difficult things, and we don't even understand why he allows us to go through what we're going through. But here's what I know of some of you. You held on to faith during that time, and it made you better. It made you stronger. You got a testimony. You got a story to help somebody out. Come on, sometimes we miss out on the greatest opportunities that God has for us because they come packaged as adversity. And so we got to learn to see things through the eyes of faith, the lens of faith changes everything. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 35. He says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Jesus says, you got to see through the eyes of faith. Like now is the season of harvest. Come on, church. Let me just say this to you. What better time than right now to be the church of Jesus Christ. The world is falling apart. People are lost. People are hurting. People are looking for hope like never before. What better time to be the church of Jesus Christ? What better place than right here in the suburbs of a city that influences the world? Come on, right here, right now, by faith, this is the best time to be the church of Jesus Christ. He builds his church by faith. He builds his church by faith. But we have to remember the source of our power. The power is not in us, right? Not by might, not by power, by my spirit. The power is in our confession of faith in Jesus' name, just like Peter confessed. Come on, in a world that offers us so many gods, just like Peter's time, in a world that offers us so many gods, and we just got different names for our gods these days, money, sex, power, position, socioeconomic status. In a world of many gods, you and me, we have to arrive at the same conclusion, the same conviction, the same confession that Peter arrived at, and we got to be able to say this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and I will stake my life on you. I will build my foundations on you. In a world that's tugging at me and pulling me in a thousand different directions, you and me, we have to come to the place of saying, I choose you, Jesus. And I choose to believe that you are the Christ. Come hell or high water, I'm holding on to you. Come on, because you will build your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's the third thing. The third thing is this. God builds his church, and what he builds will prevail. Come on, he builds it with people. He builds it by faith. But what he builds will prevail. The church of Jesus Christ is built to last. It's built to last. It's the only thing that he's building in this world, and it will prevail because he's the builder. Let's look at our key verse one more time, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Church, I'm just here to tell you today you're built to last because the church of Jesus Christ is built to last, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it or overcome it. Let me give you a visual here this morning. One of my favorite buildings uh, in New York City is St. Paul's Chapel uh, downtown on Broadway between Vesey and Fulton Street right by the World Trade Center. This is actually the oldest standing church building in New York City. St. Paul's Chapel was built in 1766, which actually isn't that old. What's fascinating about the church is, is, is what it's been through. It survived at least two major catastrophes in New York City. It survived the Great Fire of 1776 when a quarter of New York City was burned to the ground. In fact, there was a bucket brigade that was dousing water on this building to save it. And then, of course, it survived 9-11. Quite miraculously, you can see the picture of One World Trade Center right 
behind the, the Freedom Tower, right behind the building there. It survived the Twin Towers going down. In fact, um, St. Paul's Chapel famously was the place where a lot of the first responders would go to just sit and reflect and kind of gather themselves because of what they were seeing and experiencing at Ground Zero. And every time I walk past this church, it's always a visible reminder to me that the church of Jesus Christ will prevail. I know it's not about buildings, but the building is a reminder to me because I think, man, just to imagine that the Twin Towers used to stand there and they're not there anymore, but this church is still there. It's always like a visible reminder that, that I will build my church and it will prevail. Like the church of Jesus Christ will, will, will go on. I just want to tell you, I will hedge my bets on the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the only thing that will last in this world because God is building it. I'll tell you another story. Uh, many of you have heard of the, the French philosopher, a famous philosopher named Voltaire. How many of you remember that name? He's a famous French philosopher. And Voltaire was very, very anti-Christian. He was very much against the church. And, and he wrote a lot of things attacking the church and attacking Christianity. And he thought that Christianity was, was foolishness. And he infamously said this in 1776. He said, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible on earth except one that is looked upon by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. He said the Bible, nobody will even be reading the Bible 100 years from now. It'll just be something sitting in some museum somewhere. Like the church isn't going to be here. Christianity is going to be gone. Well, guess what? In an ironic twist of fate, within 50 years of his death, the very house that he lived in became a storehouse and a printing press for the Bible by the local evangelical society. <laughs> yeah. The very printing press that he used to attack Christianity, to attack the church, was used to print Bibles. Come on, I'm going to tell you, God will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If God intends to build something, nothing can stop his plans. If God intends it, nothing can stop it. And so let me just tell you a little bit of the rest of, of our story as we're on this anniversary Sunday. So here we were, beat up, broken Faith was running really low and really didn't see a path forward for how things were going to work out in, in this church. And um, I literally remember, I have a, a spot in my journal that I revisit every year this time of year where I wrote to myself reasons to stay in Westchester because this thing was hanging by a thread and, and I really didn't think there was any way we could stay here. And uh, you ever read in the Psalms where David preaches to himself, you know, rise up, oh, oh downcast soul? I wrote to myself, stay in Westchester until the money runs out. Stay in Westchester until Aaron finishes the school year because it'll be easier to move this summer. Stay in Westchester because it'll be good for your, your reputation because you, you raise money. I had to write to myself reasons to even stay here because I'm telling you, like, it did not seem like there was any way forward. But let me just tell you something. If God intends to build something, nothing can stop it. And God just began to give us just a little bit of, of faith. Come on, how many of you are, are thankful for mustard seed faith? How many of you remember what Jesus talked about, mustard seed faith, like the smallest seed? Like he just began to give us just a little bit of faith to hold on, right? And God began to, to provide. God began to send people into our lives. God began to send resources into our lives. He began to send, to, to send finances in, into our lives. And, and I remember my dad would tell me during this season, when we, this season when we were just walking in miracles, he would say, son, you got to write this stuff down. One day you're going to forget all the little things that God did. And I'm so thankful he told me that because I started journaling and writing some things down. And, and yesterday I was just revisiting those things. I was going back through and remembering how God sent this person 
And God brought this friend into our lives. Come on, I got some friends sitting on the front row here who have been friends with us since the very beginning of that journey. And God began to send resources and pastors who would send checks right on time. And, and uh, we had a little, just a little handful of people. We went from two people on the beach to by that fall, we started a Sunday night service in a little, a little Episcopal uh, chapel over in Harrison. And I remember, some, uh, I remember some pastors gave us money to even buy some of the equipment that we started. I, I think the, the sound system that we used there, like the kids' ministry ended up using that. I don't even think the kids' ministry would use that sound system anymore. That's how bad it was back then. <laughs> but God began to provide. God began to send people. And uh, we, we decided to, to go for it. You know, we got to this place where it was like, go big or go home. Like, we can't stay here many more months without starting this church. And so we got a handful of people together, about 20 of us on the team at that time. And Amy had a bunch of her, her family come in town uh, to be on the team. Come on, we put, we put a t-shirt on everybody the day we opened the church. Everybody gets a t-shirt. Everybody's on the team. No questions asked. We don't care about your past. We don't care who you are. You could be a terrorist. We'll put you on the dream team today. It doesn't matter. And we went up to the AMC theater and here's the funny thing. I had to get back into the contract at the AMC Theater because our team was so small. Great man of faith that your pastor is. I got out of the contract at the AMC Theater because I was like, oh, my gosh, how can we start a church in this big building? Well, God breathed some fresh life back into me, and I went back, and I, I got into the contract just in time because we were about to send out a 50,000-piece mailer inviting the community to come to our grand opening. And how many of you know when you spend about eight dollars to $10,000 on a mailer, it kind of helps to have an address to put on the flyer to invite people? And so I went back and I was like, please let us into the, to the contract. They let us back in like just in the nick of time. And with about 20 or 30 of us, half of us from out of town, on March 29, 2015, we went up to the AMC Theater right over that way. And uh, we set up a church. And it was crazy. We pulled it off. Somehow the lights were on and it was all set up. And we had no idea if anybody was going to show up. And 135 people showed up that first Sunday. And uh, yeah. And half of that came back the next week, because that's how it goes. <laughs> but we were off to the races, and we never looked back. And uh, if you're part of this, this church, whether it's your first Sunday, or you've been here for a few weeks, or a few months, or a few years, you're part of this story. Like, whatever chapter you came in, whatever season you came in, like, you're, you're part of the story of this beautiful church that, that God is building. Come on, I want you to know, if God intends to build something, nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop God's redemptive plans from unfolding in your life. And somebody needs to grab a hold of that today. Somebody, you're in here today, your life has been broken. There's been some things in your life that have been taken away from you. There's some dreams that haven't come to pass. Come on, if God is for you, who can be against you? If it's his will, nothing. Nothing can stand against it. Nothing can stand against his redemptive plan for your life. Maybe it's healing in your body. Maybe it's financial provision. Maybe it's the dream of a business or going back to school. Maybe it's a relationship where there needs to be forgiveness. Maybe there's a marriage that's been broken. It's on the rocks. Come on, let me just tell you, if God is for you, who can be against you? God is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if it's in his redemptive plan, nothing can stop it from coming to pass. So we trust him with it. And so today we celebrate the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God to build his church. We, we celebrate what he has done. We celebrate what he's doing. Come on, we celebrate changed lives. We celebrate changed lives, people who have found a relationship with Jesus Christ, people who have come back to church for the first time in years, people who have found a, a spiritual home. We celebrate the fact 
that God builds his church in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of lockdowns, in the midst of racial division, political tension. God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Look at this scripture with me one more time. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. I want you to get this picture today. You're a living stone placed in the house of God. And what we can be together is so much greater than anything we could ever be on our own. Come on, you don't just get saved and left spiritually orphaned, but God brings you into a family. He places you in a house. He takes your stone and he joins it together with the other stones. And what we are together is better and stronger and bigger and more beautiful. And nothing can stop us when we're in unity together. The church of Jesus Christ will move forward. His kingdom will advance. And so I want you to know today, you being here matters. You being here matters, whether it's your first Sunday or you've been here for years. Like, your stone, we need your stone. (laughs) We need your stone in this house because because you make us stronger. You You make us better because you have a spiritual gift that I don't have and I have a spiritual gift that you don't have. And you have an experience with Jesus that's unique to you. And I have an experience with Jesus that's unique to me. So when we get together, our picture of Jesus, it just gets bigger and better. Come on, I see something of him in you. And you see something of him in me. And it's a beautiful thing. We really are better together. Come on, because somebody needs you. Because you didn't just join a life group for you. You join that life group because somebody needs your, your, your stone. Somebody needs your story. Somebody needs your testimony. Somebody needs what you've been through. You didn't just get on that, that, that team to, to serve and feel better about yourself. No, no, no. We, we needed your stone. We needed you to love on some kids. We needed you to greet some people. We needed you to help in, in, in production because when you do, this house is stronger. And so I don't want anybody to feel like a spiritual orphan in this place. If this is your first Sunday with us, you're new to our church, just act like you've been here forever. Just celebrate with us. Come on. Because there's something special that happens on days like today. On days like today, we have a sense that we're we're a part of something special. We're a part of something that God is building. And I'll tell you, I will hedge my bets on the church. I will stake my claim on the church of Jesus Christ because it's the only thing that God is building in this world. And what Jesus builds will prevail. Come on, he's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna pray in this moment of gratitude, in this moment of worship. And we're just gonna thank God for his faithfulness in our lives. We're going to thank him for the gift of his church, that he calls people like you and me to be a part of his family, to be a part of his spiritual house, that he knits us together. He joins our lives together. And we're believing for even greater things to come. Amen? Come on, I'm believing for this church to reach even more people. I'm believing for this church to to grow. We're going to have to add a service. We're going to have to rent some more space in this building. We're going to impact more people. We're going to feed more hungry neighbors. We're going to help more refugees. We're going to plant more life-giving churches. We're going to give thousands of dollars away to to missions. Come on, I believe it. I believe our best days are ahead of us. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe God is building his church, and he's going to use your life, not just mine. He's going to use your story, your life, to advance his kingdom. Amen? Father, we thank you today for your goodness, God. God, we thank you that, Lord, you don't just save us and leave us by ourselves, but you bring us into a family. You bring us into a spiritual house, your church that you are building, and you use our lives, God. You take people like us, imperfect as we are, 
despite our past, despite our sins, despite our failure, God, despite our lack of faith at times, and God, you take something, you take our lives and you make us into something more beautiful together than we could ever be on our own. And we thank you today. We celebrate your faithfulness. God, we thank you for seven years of changed lives. We thank you for people healed and saved and people baptized and families and marriages restored. God, we thank you for the beautiful thing that you are building in your church. And Lord, today we pray that you would make us one, that you would bind us together. God, not just us, but churches all around this region as you look down and see your your body. But God, we pray that you would make us one, that you would bind us together in unity. Because we know that, God, when we're standing together in unity, nothing can stop us. Nothing can, can stop your church from moving forward. Because you are the builder, and what you build is built to last. And so we give you praise today. We give you glory, and we give you honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.